0: The Old Testament reading is from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid for the Lord God is my strength and my song and he has become my salvation. For great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: The epistle reading is from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God. Please stand for the Lenten verse. Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 15th chapter. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear Jesus, and the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. And so he told them this parable. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. And so he went and hired himself But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fattened calf, because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But his, he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, has come, you've killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive, He was lost and is found. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. We grace, mercy, and peace be unto you this day from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. So many of you I know have watched some television these last few months. And maybe you've watched a good magician, right? Maybe on America's Got Talent or one of those like shows. A magician with his or her tricks or illusions that will prompt you to ask, how did he do that? It makes you really wonder, right, in your mind. And magicians will tell you that much of what they do happens by way of distraction. That if the magician can get you to watch intently in one direction what he's doing, you won't see what he's doing elsewhere. And the result will leave you stunned. So get ready for some sleight of hand this morning from our text, because obviously I'm not a magician. Well, this parable that we hear from our Lord Jesus is really the third parable in this series. And he tells this parable as he's responding to the criticism that he's receiving from many people, the upstanding, the church-growing crowd, You know, in storytelling fashion uh, of his day, of Jesus' day, this uh, third illustration in this series is designed to be the clincher, the one that makes you really be amazed when you get to the end. And Jesus has done a pretty good job of distracting even today's hearers because most people call this the parable of the prodigal son or the parable of the lost son. And certainly, that younger son does live up to that title, doesn't he? Uh, His request for his father to divide up the inheritance was an implicit wish for his father's death. And just as bad, he'd put the family business at risk by demanding that inheritance while his dad was still living. For now, the father will have less working capital to deal with in order to conduct this business. And not only did he just cast away that precious inheritance, he did it in an immoral way. Those who profited from his wild living were most likely Gentiles. Immoral, unwashed, unclean Gentiles. And to top it all off, word of his shameful times and efforts had made it back home to the village. His family... Humiliated now. And the villagers are upset because, well, that father's capacity to be their patron has shrunk because this willful younger son has gone off and wasted resources that could have been something that they would have gotten. And so, the setup is started. Jesus has got us thinking about that younger son, saying, what a mess he must have been. Just think, that poor jerk, you know, the joke's on him, right? Ha ha! I mean, where did all your friends go when the well ran dry? Where did you think they'd go? You see, the joke's on him, and now the only work that he's qualified to do The only work that he can find is feeding pigs, a humiliating job for a Jew. And so no one, not even any of his newfound drinking buddies, bothered to help him out. And we might say in our mind, well, you got what you deserved. If Jesus had stopped there, we'd all be really smug in our own righteousness, wouldn't we? because we're so darn much better than that younger son. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus tells us that that young man had an epiphany. He woke up out of his craziness. He came to his senses. He said, you know, if Dad would take me back as a slave, my life would be better than this. And so he packs up whatever belongings he still had left and begins his trek on the way home. And he begins to rehearse his apology to his dad. Dad, I messed up. I'm not worthy anymore to be your son. Just let me be a slave in your house. You see, where is the gloating now? Where is his pride? It's been humbled, right, by his circumstances And, you know, we probably set back as we hear that saying, yeah, it's about time you came to your senses. You know, we knew that, you know, that things weren't going to turn out right for you. But, you know, here he had dreams maybe of coming back home as the big guy. You know, the guy with the million dollar bucks and all the entourage But instead, he comes back smelly, alone, lost, without hope. You see, Jesus has us really looking at that son. But then, in the midst of everything, as we're looking at that son, something comes rushing in all of a sudden. It's dear old dad. He's running to find his son to compassionately lift him up to hold him once again in his arms that dad had worried and been anxious about his son ever since he'd left that dad had been concerned and been on the outlook for him hoping that one day he'd see him again face to face and then amazingly This dad, well, he arranges a banquet. We're going to have filet mignon tonight. Yes, we're going to get that on the grill. We're going to have a welcome home banquet committee put things together. We're going to have music and singing. And in front of everyone, he puts a ring on the kid's finger. He puts expensive shoes on his feet. And he puts him in a tuxedo all ready for the banquet. What? That's not fair, we protest? That's not how this story's supposed to end. Because after all, he dug his ditch, he should be staying in it. Isn't that what's supposed to happen? You know, you wallow around in the mud, you should just stay there. Don't come tracking that into our clean house. But now Jesus refocuses his crowd It's time now to introduce the character of the older son. One whom we know that we could all identify with. And Jesus knows that as well. And Jesus, he goes out of his way to make sure we relate to this older son. And when the dad explains, you know, what all the hoopla is about to this older son. Wow, that older son expresses our indignation. How can this be? That's not right. Why in the world would you take this son back? Shouldn't he be the last after everyone else in the family and every slave? And shouldn't he be the slime of the earth? Because after all, he spit on you, Dad. He left. And that older son might say, Well, you know, I've slaved for you, Dad, for all these years. I've never disobeyed you. And never gave you any grief. Yet you threw me nothing. You didn't give me a bone. You didn't give me a pizza party with my friends. You know, and this older son says, I'm not going to be a part of this mockery. I'm not going to be celebrating this return of a son. This son of yours, by the way, as though he were some kind of hero. And you and I, as bystanders in this, well, finally, we say in our heart, finally the word of truth spoken by that older son. This indulgent father needs a wake-up call. And the older son has got the guts to do it. You see, you and I, we relate really well to that older son, don't we? And then Jesus has us firmly in his grasp as the master magician. We can't wait to hear how dad is going to answer that. Will he awaken from his sleep? What do you say? Dad starts his answer. Just imagine how foreign those words might have been for that older son. the dad tall tells his older son son i love you everything that i have is yours everything and while you say my son does that mean that you're not going to even acknowledge that your brother has come home don't you acknowledge that there is something about blood relation and that we should celebrate the good thing that has happened to him, that he has come home, that he is now with us again? You know, after all, my dear son, you've lived in my house. You know everything that I'm about. And you know that all these things are an outcome of my love for my family. You see, the dad explains that, you know, you're in the family, my son, and you should not be upset with others being a part of our family because there is plenty for all. And so the sleight of hand that Jesus put together for us here is to help his crowd in his day who related really well with that younger son and understood that younger son. And that was sort of like what had happened to the people of Israel. They'd gone their own way. They'd followed the ways of the world. But God called them back again. And God continually kept calling them back and forgave them. But then there are those Pharisees and the teachers of the law who We're objecting to Jesus sitting and eating with the the sinners. And to them, that's what that older son represented. Because they could see that they were playing that role. You know, we shouldn't allow any of those muddied, pig-feeding people, even if they had been our brother once upon a time, to be back with us. You see, they don't belong with us. Jesus is reminding them that God has created all people and that his mercies extend even beyond the people of Israel to the nations of this world. And that there is plenty of room in his house for everyone. You see how Jesus has linked all these things to help us understand better his incredible mercy. He loves his people. He loved the older son. But he also loved the rebellious one. And he wanted all to come to the knowledge of the truth and to be saved and to be part of the homestead that is heaven. And so you and I today, maybe we identify with one of those characters. Either the older son, who complains about who are here and what they're doing, or maybe the younger son, as we are in some road of, well, shall we say, futility in this world. And so, maybe we need to focus a little bit more upon the love of the father in that story. The amazing love that is so compassionate, that is so unworldly, that would be so forgiving to one who had besmarked the family name, who had even cursed or even sworn off, even wished his father dead, and yet is forgiven and brought home. So today, may you and I realize that we're sinners. That we are people who have been dirtied by this world. But our Heavenly Father welcomes us still home. He welcomes us. He lifts us up. He kisses us. He hugs us. He puts us in a new robe. Gives us fancy shoes to wear and a feast spread for kings. An overabundance of joy is what our God has for us. He delivers forgiveness to us by means of his son, the one who didn't go off into this world to party, the son who was not disobedient to his father and refused to come into the banquet. No, by the son who was obedient even to death on the cross, so that now his name is exalted above all names, that at the name of Jesus, all should kneel. So may you and I today thank God that he has that mercy for us, and that mercy has called us from the pig pods of our lives into the banquet feast of the King. May we rejoice and give thanks. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all human understanding, guide our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.